Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Janine. We are the hosts of We, we Art Here. Here. We talk about art. I introduce the history on an art subject. And I interview an artist tied to that art subject. Keep listening. Street art, uh, as a form of art, can be traced back as far as the 1920s, but didn't come into its own as we know it today until the 1960s or 70s. It's generally agreed that the origins of the movement blossomed in New York City's Black and Latino neighborhoods with, for example, tagging. The birth of graffiti as an art form can be seen as an assertion of existence, a shout of, I was here, in response to the ever-shifting socio-political climate with disenfranchised youth. And what better way to show that you were here than to put up a tag where hundreds of people would see it? And what better way to get people to see something than putting it somewhere eye-catching? Like, say, for example, a subway? By putting tags and graffiti up on subways and public transit, that movement made graffiti a dynamic art form. To quote sociologist Richard Latchman, Much of the best graffiti was meant to be appreciated in motion, as it passed through dark and dingy stations or on elevated tracks. Photos and graffiti canvases cannot convey the energy and aura of giant artwork in motion. And that touches on something that's important to the art of street art, especially in the earlier days, prior to portable cameras, cell phones, and so on. Graffiti as an art form is somewhat ephemeral, you never know when it's going to be removed or painted over, so you should enjoy it while it lasts. No one technically owns it. Of course, this is the pre-cell phone and internet age, but I'll get to that. Of course, this also adds to the accessibility factor. Uh, one of the main ideals behind street art uh, is that art should be accessible rather than hidden away in galleries, and that anyone should be able to make that art. Graffiti and street art kind of became a countercultural movement, being a way to speak out against society as a whole. Going back to New York in the 1980s, then Mayor Ed Koch decided to put resources into the graffiti problem. To quote art historian Martha Cooper, graffiti was evidence of a lack of authoritarian order, and so had to go. Uh, in 1982, the Metropolitan Transit Authority got a bigger security budget to prevent their cars from being tagged, and in 1984, launched the Clean Car Program, which essentially meant a graffiti-covered car could not be put in service until it was cleaned. Obviously, this did not kill off graffiti and street art, but things did start to change around this time. Think less tags and more imagery-based work. It's around this time that a few notable street artists emerge in the scene. For example, Keith Haring, who used his art installations as a way to speak out about the AIDS crisis in New York. Another notable New York artist around this time is Jean-Michel Basquiat, who was a street artist who would write enigmatic epigrams in the Lower East Side of Manhattan and became the youngest to exhibit at the Whitney Biennial in New York. Outside of New York City, notable graffiti and street artists include Taki183, based in Washington, D.C., and Barry McGee, based in San Francisco, who used his pieces to draw attention to the Bay Area homeless population. Of course, graffiti and street art is not a wholly American movement. There are notable street artists from around the world. Arguably one of the most famous would be Banksy, based in Britain. Their stencil art and installations tend to be political and satirizing aspects of our modern culture. Banksy's work even occasionally plays with the ephemeral nature of street art. For instance, in 2018, a piece that he put up for auction in a art gallery shredded itself moments after being purchased. One of the reasons I mentioned Banksy is because of how successful they are as a street artist. A piece of theirs, submerged phone booth, sold for 
722,500 pounds in 2006. The same year, a canvas painted by the late Keith Haring sold for nearly $5 million. Of course, street artists aren't always so successful, as there is often an air of anonymity uh, to the artist's identity. I've mostly been talking about graffiti, and that's because graffiti is really where the modern street art movement was born from. However, it would be inaccurate to call it the only or even the main form of street art. And so to kind of wrap things up, I'd like to talk a little bit about the other styles of street art. One medium of street art, for example, is stencils. Stencils are usually pre-prepared works done with, for example, cardboard or paper that are then brought to the site where they are quickly attached to the wall or, where, or whatever you are doing the installation on, and then spray panned over. These are typically preferred to freehand works because of how quickly you can throw something up. There's less of a chance of running into the authorities if you already did most of the work. Another form of street art is wheat paste posters, which, similarly to stencils, are used primarily because of how quickly they're used to install art somewhere. Wheat paste is a gel or liquid adhesive made from wheat, flour, or starch, as you might get from the name, that's used to put posters onto walls. Another subversive form of art in the world of street art is reverse graffiti, also known as clean tagging or grime writing. Basically, this is creating an image by removing grime and dirt from a surface. To quote British artist Moose, who uses this method frequently in his art, once you do this, you make people confront whether or not they like people cleaning walls or if they really have a problem with personal expression. This tends to call attention to environmental concerns in urban environments. Of course, I'm only touching on a few mediums in this vast world of street art. There's all kinds of other ways people can get art out there. Stickers, tiles, clay, chalk, charcoal, knitting even. There's a whole yarn bombing movement I haven't even touched on. Which brings me to my final point for this little history segment. Mainstream approval. With street art becoming more of a generally accepted form of art, it brings up the question, does street art have to be rebellious? One street artist, Book C, I, I will be honest, I have no idea how to actually pronounce this name. It's books with four eyes, and I'm just gonna... Anyway. They say, it's not wrong to seek mainstream acceptance, but a tag on a canvas will never hold the same power as the same tag on a street. I talked previously about Banksy and posthumously Keith Haring's work selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars in a gallery space. Does that invalidate the subversiveness of their work? Honestly, I don't know. When it comes to street art in 2020, while notable street artists have reached a level of mainstream success, the ideals that birthed that community still remain alive. Nowadays, it's even easier to get that artwork out there. The ephemerality of street art is still there, but, thanks to cell phones and the internet, it's easier to document that art and get it out there for more people to see. It allows for a certain immortalization of that art that wouldn't be possible in... It allows for a certain level of immortality that wouldn't have been possible, necessarily. Our interview subject this episode talks briefly about how art has how street art has become less of a nuisance and more of a, a feature, especially in her residence of St. Petersburg, Florida. However, what drew her to the world of street art was 
that idea of secrecy and art being for everyone. And that is an ideal that she keeps alive with her work. Is um, doing it on your phone going to be okay? Okay. All right. Cool. Well, right. thank you so much, Jennifer, for um, letting us interview you. Um, so today we're gonna. <laughs> You're our first interview. So. Yeah. Well. Um, but today we're gonna talk about art, um, and I know that you're an artist, and I I looked up um, like from your website some of the things that you worked on, um, but like. From your bio, it says that um, you're a painter, you're a ragdoll maker, and a spray paint artist, and you live in um, St. Petersburg, Florida, and it also says you're a male artist and a Free Art Friday artist. (laughs) I I have a lot of hobbies, (laughs) and some are careers. So do you uh, have do you know what all those things are, or are you? Do you have any questions about the bio? Um. So, do you have like a favorite medium out of all of those, or does it kind of just shift? Uh, yeah, I kind of um. I I feel like my art is with the seasons. You know, just like we have, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter. I feel like I kind of flow through the year doing different mediums um like certain times of the year I really like to sew I like to make dolls uh, work with fiber other times I'm more into like really intensely painting and I also like to do the spray paint mural murals is a big part of my life and then I do like some of the like the underground arts which I would consider uh, mail art which is sending art through the mail and free art friday those are both kind of like underground movements um free art friday started maybe like 15 years ago in england with a guy uh, that goes by the name my dog size so that's his that's his handle but he started leaving free art for people to find and about 10 years ago i read a little blurb about him on the internet and i thought wow i should do that locally here in st petersburg florida so i started making art to just leave and then whoever finds it it's theirs so it's kind of a really neat project that there's not like a lot of rewards to it a lot of times people don't thank you or you never you never know where that art went but once in a while like maybe one out of a hundred you'll you'll hear back from so it's really more about like giving rather than feeling good about yourself because someone found it and thanked you um, but I really enjoy it. Uh, what kind of art do you do uh, for Free Art Friday? Uh, over the years, I've done literally everything from full-size paintings to dolls, uh, T-shirts, small things like cards or stickers. So really just, it can literally be anything you want it to be. So that's kind of nice, too whatever you feel like doing at the time. Um, a lot of times, like, I'll put it in, like, a sleeve so that if it rains or something happens, it's kind of protected. Um, I guess my, my big passion right now is uh, doing spray paint murals. And I love to do street art. And I, I have a character. Her name is Gretchen. And she's kind of a rag doll character. So I make the doll and I might make a painting of the dolls and I might make a giant piece of street art with the same character. So she like the feminine theme is like throughout my work. And um, I enjoy nesting dolls, which are also like another like mothering feminine uh, theme that you can see in my work. And so I try to just incorporate messages of hope and love and kindness and I feel like if you have a purpose in life you should you know be promoting that purpose and be positive so you said that like femininity is like a big aspect in in your art like I know you said nesting dolls are 
one aspect of that, but like how, how else do you think it, it manifests in your art? Uh, well, I think just that I'm a whimsical artist. People, I think they see that as more of a female trait, but not always. I like years ago, uh, people would see my work and something like maybe some like local artists and they would tease me. And they're like, oh, you make that cute art. And it wasn't like cool and it wasn't like real art, according to them. And now it's very popular to have cute art into, you know, like the whole ka uh, kawaii, like the Japanese cute movement. And it's, it's like totally acceptable now and accepted and more, you'll see it more in a museum setting or a gallery setting than you would like 10, 15 years ago. Um, so it is more popular now and more acceptable, but sometimes I think, feel like the cuteness factor is seen as a more girly thing to do than a masculine thing to do. And, you know, I don't care, like, if artists, man, you know, male artists, as in men, not as in sending to the male. Um, like, like, the gender itself, to me, doesn't matter, like, who's doing it or why. It's just something I enjoy. So it's not about, like, promoting, you know, my gender, per, per se. It's just about doing what I love. Like just going off of doing what you love, like, uh, do you have like a favorite piece in your, like that you've done or like a, or like a favorite project that you're working on now? I, I'm about to start probably my biggest mural ever. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be, I think it's around like three stories tall. Hmm. The image oh. will be. And and I'll have to be up in like a lift so that normally I work on ladders. So I don't, I don't usually go about 15 to 20 feet. So this is going to be like much taller. <laughs> so I'm kind of like excited, but nervous because I'm kind of doing something in new territory for me. So uh, that's what I'm most excited about now is trying something a little different and a lot bigger. Is um, it on a building? Or um, yeah, it's it's on a building on the um, main street of St. Pete's, uh, First Avenue South. It's on, like, the main street people travel to downtown St. Pete on. So it'll it's, it'll be, like, very high visibility. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting. It sounds, that, <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, um. Do you know, like, what it's going to, to be yet? I've been doing a lot of, um, like, these characters, like, women, female characters with, they're like planters, so out of their head is growing usually, like, cactuses and succulents and, like, all the things that everybody loves to grow right now. <laughs> um, and they sort of could be, like, symbolic for, you know, your ideas growing or your, you know, your thoughts, you're expanding your mind. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of things you could, ideas you could place upon that imagery. Um, and that's kind of why I like doing her and that image. Um, so she's probably going to be like the star of this show. But um, I, I'm in the process of doing some workup images some sketches for the building, uh, the business people who inhabit the building. So it's in the works. So I know, um, like when I think of like murals and stuff like that, I kind of think about, I know you said you do a lot of street art and that's what I would say that that is. Um, but like, how have you kind of seen um, a change in like, how street art is viewed because I know you're um, you're mentioning like a business wants you to paint this and um, kind of like if I think about street art I don't know what years it would be but like I I know people would always like look down on it or like say it's like graffiti so have you seen like a change? Right. Yeah, yeah there, there's definitely been a switch that has turned on that happened in the past 15 to 20 years where graffiti has turned into art 
and street art in a way that is acceptable and frankly drives up real estate prices here like unbelievably. So people move to St. Petersburg, Florida, and people come to visit this city to see the street art. So it's definitely no longer the blithe on the wall, this thing that we have to, it's no longer this thing we want to get rid of and this horrible thing. Now it's something that they're praising and applauding. So um, years ago, about like nine years ago, I had a gallery in St. Petersburg and the owner of my building, I always begged him, I'm like, please let me paint in the back. Please let me paint in the alley. You know, please let me, like it, it was for a whole year I begged him to paint. And he didn't want to let me. And there was nothing else back there. And so I'm basically the first woman street artist in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is now this huge bustling street art industry that's out there. Um, in our city and many other cities around the world too, of course, New York city, Miami, and lots of other places just really exploding. But I don't know. It's like, I feel like I really pushed him to let me do it. And he finally let me do it. And there was a lot of positive feedback and it, it just grew and grew. And it was a small group of us who were pushing for this, uh, maybe under like 10 people. And now, you know, a lot of artists moved to St. Petersburg to get in on this art scene that I feel like I was one of the people that helped build it. And there's a lot of people that helped build it, though. You know, not just, wasn't just me. There's a lot of people, but we were a small group back then. And now there's just hundreds of artists here. So what, like, initially drew you to uh, to street art? Uh, I was... I was in, first of all, I love the whole idea of graffiti. In essence, you're just, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to paint something and tag, tag something in the dark of night and you hope you don't get caught. There's a certain amount of like Robin Hood feel to that, <laughs> that I like. Now I don't, I don't do graffiti because I, if I, you get caught, you do go to jail and you do pay heavy fines. So I don't do that because I'm a responsible adult <laughs> or whatever, but I do like the concept of it. Um, when I w was in uh, Calgary, Canada, uh, we I was with a friend and we I was just up for vacation. I happened to run into this guy painting um, a piece of street art. So it wasn't like illegal graffiti, but and it was he had spray paint and he was painting with it. I think that was the first time I ever witnessed somebody um, spray painting. And I thought, wow, that that seems really fantastic. And it the thing about spray paint is you can cover a very pretty large uh, piece of square footage for in a very short amount of time. It dries super quick. You can do layer. If you mess up, you can just go over it. It's, it's really a neat medium to try out. So I think that's what really, like meeting that one person, talking to this guy, and then him, you know, telling me, you know, you can do this too. It's not that hard. Just try it. And then I came back to Florida and I met up with another uh, guy who's like, yeah, I'll help you paint something. I'll teach you. So, you know, getting your foot in the door and then finding someone to kind of show you the way. Uh, so I, it really just drew me to it and just the size of it and the concept of, you know, after you do this piece of art, literally anyone who drives by or walks by is going to see it because it's that big. And so I began to talk, talk about in my life, you know, that street art is every man's gallery. You drive by, you walk by, you could be homeless and there's the art. You can see it. You can appreciate it. You like it. If you don't like it, it's there. So the idea that it's so accessible to so many people is like the other concept that really kind of makes me happy. I like the idea of um, art for all. Um, well, as you're talking about, like, kind of how you started getting into street art, which was like, like meeting somebody and talking with them. Um, I'm kind of interested in like, what is it like being a part of like, um, an artist community or, or what is, how is that community or what is that community like? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I feel like 
uh, no matter what community you're involved with, you're, you're going to run into the same thing. So, mm-hmm. like, if you're with, involved with a church group or if you're involved with people who collect trading cards or people who play a certain kind of video game or, you know, you just have that thing that kind of ties you together, uh, whatever that thing is. So the same thing is with artists. You know, the artists are kind of what ties you together. And there's a certain amount of, um, you know, trying to, like, get position or trying to go for the same job. So there's, like, competition in it that I don't necessarily like. But I also just, you know, like, okay, may the best person win. And maybe, like, a lot of these guys, I used to do, there used to be, like, a drink and draw before COVID. <laughs> so people would go out and they'd have a beer and they'd bring your sketchbook and you can sit, or paintings, and you can sit and, like, do art around other people doing art. And years ago, I used to do that. Um, so I got to know, like, a lot of the artists that way. <laughs> and then I kind of just, like fell off from that because I'm not really I'm not really a drinker and I feel like it's like it's not it's not like the best lighting if you're sitting outside with people or if you're in a bar situation it's not like the best lighting to do art so I kind of felt like that's kind of a waste of my time but I'm more like a loner compared to most artists I would say you know um, I tend to just keep my head down and work on my work and focus on that, focus on my family more than other people do. Mm. So, and I have kids and like a lot of artists I know don't have any children Mm. or they're not even, you know, in a relationship, nothing. So they have like a a totally different lifestyle that they might lead than what I would lead. That's, that's really cool. Um, I forgot about kind of like how things could be competitive. Like you're up for this and I'm up for this, but yeah, that that totally makes sense. Um, so with the ragdolls, um, what what is kind of your process in in making those? Um. Well, I don't I don't have any pattern, so everything that I do is kind of just I just cut it out and make them without really like a lot of planning beforehand so that's kind of like the way I also go at doing murals I don't always have a plan for them it's called a freestyle so you just go and you do it so I I like the process to just to produce the art so I don't like to be tied down to the process first I like the process making the art then you create something and that's the art um, so yeah, I just, I collect a lot of fabrics. If I go to a yard sale, I collect vintage linens, um, sometimes old clothes, sometimes my children's old clothes, and I use them to make dolls. And I do a lot of embroidery. And, um, sometimes I buy things on eBay or Etsy, some like vintage feed sacks or flower sacks they have a certain look to them and I like I like old things incorporated in something new it's also like a way to recycle yeah yeah that's really awesome instead of just like putting it in the trash you can make something out of it oh yeah like if you're yeah like my son had a a shirt that I really liked on him, but it has stains on it or yeah. Like sometimes you can just save things from the trash or a landfill and repurpose it, use it for something else, cut out pieces of it, you know, try to like lessen that, that imprint and try to use things up instead of just, yeah, throwing them away. So do you like say, so it sounds like you've used ragdolls kind of as a way to like, preserving memories in a way I yeah I definitely have done that in the past and years ago I remember someone I know on Facebook asked me to make a doll out of their daughter's old baby blankets so so like that doll will forever you know be a reminder of when she was a baby because it has all of her special blankets in it so yeah, it is a way definitely make a memory. 
Um, so it says that you do are a male artist and like male like mailing things. Um, and I know Michelle, yeah. um, like when I was asking her if she knew of any artists, she mentioned that um, you were working on this project or you, you probably still are. Where was it that you were mailing people things like across the cut around the world or people were sending you things from around the world? Well, both of those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what I, I'm doing a project this year for 2020 with um, writing a letter a day, which is separate from actually mail art. Mm-hmm. It's actually writing a handwritten letter every day to mail to people. Mm-hmm. So it's been like a very difficult year to keep up with writing a letter every day, but I have been doing it. So wow. it's, yeah. And I, I just, I just feel like, you know, the art of letter writing is kind of lost and I, I feel like people should do more of that. So that's, I did a, a GoFundMe, I guess, or I don't know if it was a GoFundMe or whatever, but like anybody who wanted a letter from me could donate a dollar and I would write them mm-hmm. a letter. And so, yeah, different people from all over the world signed up for it. So I wrote like, yeah, a lot of letters to different people all over the place. And, but so separate from that is the mail, the mail art. And I think, um, the first piece of mail art I did when I was like 17 or 18. So a few years ago and I'm, I'm 47 now, which never blows my mind. Like you never think you're going to be 47 (laughs) and then it happens. You're like, how did that happen? Uh, yeah. But, so yeah, so mail art is art you send through the mail. And I, yeah, I've literally received thousands of pieces over the years and have mailed out probably just as many to people all over the world. And it's, it's a lot of fun and it's always free. So people will send you things for free and you send them things. And um, there's a lot of different parts to mail art so like you have some people who just send you collages they make a collage and they send it there's other people who make something called artist stamps so they're like postage stamps except for they're homemade and they make they make those and i mean they take it very seriously so it sounds ridiculous in a way but they take it very seriously um there's people who carve their own um like they carve their own, what do you call it, like, stamps, but, like, I forgot the name of it. Like, like the rubber stamps? You know where you, yeah, like, rubber stamps, so they carve their own. They do that, and they decorate maybe an envelope or a postcard with those. So that's, like, another niche within the niche kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of aspects to mail art. There's something called the add and pass. The add and pass is a piece of paper that someone starts, they add something to it, they mail it to somebody else, they add something to it, and they mail it to another person, and it just, these pieces of paper just go around until they have all sorts of images, rubber stamps, whatever kind of printmaking they do, what kind of, whatever kind of art they do, it just keeps going until these papers just get totally saturated with collage and materials or paint or stamps. So, kind of like to talk about it, it sounds like really strange, but in my mind, it's like the total norm. <laughs> you say it out loud, you're like, okay. So, so there's a sounds... there's a book that what? <laughs> I was gonna say that just that sounds really neat. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, there's a book called Good Mail Day, and a gal I know, uh, Jenny Hinchcliffe. She and she her partner, I think, wrote the book, and I can't remember the other gal's name but i sent her a piece of art so my art is in the book and it's also on the bottom right of the cover of the book mm-hmm. so and my kids happen to be like a collage type painting piece so if you ever look at the book there's like a circus theme piece and my kids are on the cover of the book on the, mm-hmm. i think the bottom right corner so it's like a kind of like uh so cool to have them kind of memorialized on a book that you can buy on Amazon and at some bookstores. So 
Yeah. Yeah, that is really neat. Um, do you have like a, a like a favorite piece that you've gotten in the mail or like some like what's the most unusual thing uh, you've gotten through this through through doing mail art? Yeah, it's like so many crazy things have come through. Um one time this this lady made a, like a memorial piece to her brother and it had old timey pictures of him because he would have been like an adult you know, like older so he had like black it was like a black and white picture with fish i guess he liked fishing and it was all like in this plastic type maybe like reused packaging but really like three-dimensional so thick with this image inside of it and other things and it was just I don't know, it was a really beautiful piece for her brother, and it was just sent that way through the mail. It wasn't, like, sent in a box or um, anything like that. Um, one time, I there was this guy I liked in New York City, and I had a record, and I painted a self-portrait on the record, a vinyl record, and I mailed it to him. And he got it in one piece. So, like, you can just send objects through the mail without them, like, being in a package or being in an envelope. So mm. that's kind of wacky. I'm just impressed it got there in one piece. Yeah. <laughs> well, a postman's your best friend when you're a mail artist. So, like, a lot of times, you know, they'll take care of your stuff for you. Mm. They, look out, they look out for, like, crazy artist types sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully they're looking out for everyone's ballots and all that's okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Let's not let's not even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Shelby that I just was avoiding the news. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just please someone tell me who won and let's go on with our life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Quite the stomachache. All day. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about making like the rag dolls, I know you mentioned that you kind of like just freestyling it. Um, so like when you work on things, how long, like, do you usually try to do things like pretty quickly or like, do you just take your time? Um, uh, I think like naturally. I'm a fast worker. Like I went to a high school for the arts and I was always, I've always, I could always complete a painting or a task quicker than other people. I don't like intentionally rush through things. I think uh, if you rush through your work, it can be sloppy. Um, But taking time to slow down is often, I think a good thing to do just for your, for the sake of the art and for the sake of your, your mental health too. Like taking time to really work on items pieces you know whatever it is so yeah I try to like some of some like I have some dolls I've made that were hand embroidered that took six months to make you know because but I wasn't working on them full-time because you can't really hand embroider 12 hours a day and feel good about yourself (laughs) you know it's it's very it can be you know taxing and it can like really make your shoulders hurt so, you know, a few hours every day or a couple hours, even an hour a day, but, you know, mixing that in with other things. But, like, yeah, some projects, some paintings I've taken a year to paint, but others, you know, they're done in two days. So it just, I think it just depends on the actual piece itself. Okay. So I know we've talked a lot about, um, like, the art that you create, um, but I just wanted to ask you, like, if you had to define art, how would you do that well uh, that's that's like a very hard question mm-hmm. very general but i would say art is whatever the artist says it is mm-hmm. you know i have a very very broad definition of art um just the fact like the fact that i'm a male artist or that i do free art friday or the fact that i like graffiti graffiti like a lot of things that aren't fully accepted by maybe a, a high-end gallery wouldn't accept all of that as art per se. But yeah, so art is whatever the artist makes. Um, you can, you know, people who are passionate about what they do, 
let's say it's a guy with a ballpoint pen who's drawing on a styrofoam cup. Uh, you've probably seen his work maybe on the internet, but like that's probably like lowbrow. You know, you're using a styrofoam cup, which is the cheapest thing you could use. You're using a ballpoint pen, which is the cheapest pen you can buy, and yet he makes you know beautiful drawings with those materials. So some people would say, well, that's not art, but I would say, yeah, that's art. You know, that's what his passion is, and that's what he's doing. And I think now very successful at it. Mm-hmm. But success always, you know, of course, doesn't define an artist either. Um, oh, there was this quote I read recently about Pablo Picasso. I want to say, don't like, you probably could look this up, but something like, when Pablo Picasso died, like people thought Pablo Picasso was a very famous artist, even in his time, and sold a lot of work. But when he passed away, I believe he had 72,000. Maybe that's, maybe that's not the right number, though. But he had a massive amount of work unsold. So the idea is that an artist just produces the work. So they may be famous. They may not be famous. The work might have sold. Like Van Gogh, the work didn't sell until later, you know, so like you have to think, um, none of those things really matter whether you sell the work or don't sell. What matters is that the artist makes the work. Uh, just kind of, kind of going off that, uh, do you have any advice for like aspiring artists wanting to get into, to what you do? Sure. I, I sure do. Uh, my best advice for anyone wants to be an artist is to learn the basics. So, like, have a good, like, classical foundation of how to paint, how to draw, just, like, a real good classical foundation. And then, from there, do what you love. You know, so know the basics and then branch off and branch into your own style. Um, What I wouldn't do is just go on the Internet and copy something you saw on a YouTube video or Tara's someone else's style or someone else's character or someone else's idea. I think you have to discover who you are and be you. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't like go on YouTube and learn how to paint because you can learn the basics, you know, a painting on YouTube or a teacher or many ways, a book. So yeah, learn the basics and then paint your, your heart and paint with your style because I believe every human, you know, has their own like song to be sung. And if it's art that you're going to do that with, or music, acting, your job, if you're the garbage man, whatever it is that you choose to do, or, you know, I think you should do it really well and do it like your hardest and your best. That's really good advice, I think, for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you've ever watched the, uh, the Netflix show called um, Mozart in New York, I believe it's called. Have you seen that? Uh, I haven't yet. I've heard good things, though. I really love it. And one of the things that the conductor says is play with the blood. So you, he's referring to playing the violin until your fingers bleed. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of like the concept of becoming a successful artist is, you know, you're practicing all the time and you're trying to be your best self. You're very passionate and you, you give it all. Was there ever a time when you um, would get frustrated, like, when you were trying to, let's say, like, when you were first, like, starting to create art? I get frustrated all the time, at times, because, uh, like, part of who I am and what I want to be is always, like, learning new things and always doing something better than what I'm doing, and a lot of times the work that I make and the paintings I do are not what's in my head. So it's always a struggle to make what's happening in my brain happen on the canvas. So there's always that struggle for me. And like, as far as, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I was okay. going to say like, uh, um, how do you like tend to get over that, that block? I I make art every day of my life. Um, I draw or I paint or I sew. 
there's rarely a day that would go by that I didn't do one of those things. Um, so I don't ever, I don't ever feel like I have like a block because I'm always working, uh, you know, and I have goals. I'm always working towards the goals. So, and I think, you know, like everyone is like, if you want to be a good artist, you want to be an artist, period. I think you just, you have to have that passion to always be doing. I'm just thinking about what you said. Um, I don't know, um, Shelby, if you like, um, I know that, okay. Um, so we both, uh, Jennifer, we're in um, like graduate school and we are, um, I know that I really like like video, um, like making videos and video editing. And I believe Shelby, you like it too, but I don't want to speak on your behalf. Um, no, that, that is also what I enjoy. Uh, video editing and uh, digital media creation along those lines. Awesome. And I also really like um, drawing like cartoons and stuff and like painting, but I it's just, I don't know, it's so hard to like just motivate myself to do like things that I know I'll enjoy, um, if that makes any sense. Do you ever, so, so like, I know you're talking about, like, you're always kind of working on, on your art and you do it every day. Um, I don't really know what I'm asking. I guess, like, like, how do you stay motivated to? Well, um, well, I provide financially for my family. So there's always that motivation (laughs) that if I'm not, you know, if I'm not designing a new fabric or designing a t-shirt or making a piece of art, you know, this is how I feed my children. So for me, part of the motivation is money. You know, I think ideally that it would be better if that wasn't a motivation. You know, I wish I could like have um, a studio space that was huge with giant canvases in it. And I wish I could just stay in that studio space. 24 seven painting the most beautiful art that the world has ever seen. Right. Like that, that would be to me like a dream. That's not my reality. My reality is I work from home and that I have to create things that people will buy. Thankfully, um, I've developed a character and a style that people do like. So as much as I like all art to be free and as much as I would like to be able to just have the time and luxury to create paintings that I could really give all my time and effort to, like that's not my reality. But I do, I do love everything that I do. So like, it's not totally negative. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people work jobs they hate. This is a job I love. So there's that, you know, I love this job. Um, I guess so since we're talking about it, um, like being a job and everything, um, how do you usually like get your requests? Um, what is it like running it, um, running a business like from home? Uh, well, right since COVID hit, that's kind of changed how I run my business. So I used to do a lot more markets where I would take products and set up a tent and have uh, tables and people could you know, peruse items that I've made and buy them and like a little shop. Um, in the past, I had a gallery. So that was a different type of business too, where it was, a you know, people would come and shop in the gallery. I used to have a lot of art openings and events and it, that was a lot of fun. So as things have changed in my life, I've, I've had to change with it. You know, you have to go with the flow. So when COVID hit, I started making face masks because I seemed like there was a need and there wasn't any around and they were hard to get and people weren't making them at the time. So I would spend like 12 hours a day sewing face masks and I didn't sell them, but some people locally would donate money, you know, to keep me, you know, making more and helping out mostly like nurses and things Mm -hmm. at the time. So then I realized, yeah, that this is great. I do have to make money. So, so I did start making some like whimsical face masks to sell. And so they would, I have um, fabric with my designs and characters on them. So I would use that fabric and I would kind of 
quilt different things on them sort of. And so I used like the opportunity to do that, which is, but it was after there was like no longer that crazy need, mm-hmm. you know, if you recall that timeline. So, you know, as the, as the world changes, life changes. So I began focusing a lot on my Etsy shop. And now I make a lot of money through online sales in my Etsy shop. Mm-hmm. And years past, I tried having my own website that I could sell things on. But I couldn't really generate the traffic I needed. And I'm not like a computer genius mm-hmm. about, you know, doing all this. So the thing about Etsy, it, they bring customers to you. So if you are able to get that flow going, it kind of keeps going. Um, what was the question? I don't know if I answered the question or not. Yeah, that answered the question. I was going to ask if you could share um, the name of your um, like Etsy shop and any other um, like platforms that you're on, and then we'll also try to put it in like I'm not sure how we're doing it, but we'll try to put it in text-wise okay. as yeah. well. Yeah, we'll <laughs> put it in the show description and, and things like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, uh, it's really the same name for everything. So um, my Instagram is at Kosherik Art, K-O-S-H-A-R-E-K-A-R-T. And then my Etsy shop is, you can just type uh, Etsy.com forward, forward slash shop forward slash Kasharagart. So it's the same. Um, and then I do have a website, and it's just Kasharagart dot art. Okay. And then, yeah, Facebook is, you can just look up Kasharagart, and you'll find my Facebook page. Okay. That you know attempts to link them all, <laughs> and I do. I do have a, um, a mail art website if you want to look it up. I used to. Um, I used to document everything I'd send out, everything that I got for years. But I don't really do that anymore. But I still have the website. It's a blog. It's a blog spot. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with blog spot. It might be before your time, right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um but it's I'm kind of familiar. <laughs> if it, it's uh, Jennifer Z O E dot blogspot dot com. So that if you if you cycle back through that, you can see a lot of pieces of mail art. Thank you for uh, um, thank you for yeah. <laughs> what? I think you're about to say the same thing. <laughs> uh, but th- thank you for agreeing to interview like this like. Honestly, this was uh, really, really interesting getting to talk with you. I appreciate it. <laughs>